are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page on Facebook, and there you'll be able to interact with others who are listening and following along and share your own thoughts and reflections. And if you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to Mystical City of God. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 310, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 277 to 283. Chapter 15, The Hidden Combat of the Demons Against Souls, How the Most High Defends Them Through His Holy Angels, Through the Most Blessed Virgin, and By His Own Power, The Consultation Held by the Hellish Foes Against the Queen, and the Church After the Conversion of St. Paul. 277. By the abundant testimony of holy scriptures, and later by the teaching of the holy doctors and masters of the spiritual life, the whole Catholic Church and all its children are informed of the malice and most vigilant cruelty of hell against all men in seeking to draw them to the eternal torments. From the same sources we know also how the infinite power of God defends us, so that if we wish to avail ourselves of his invincible friendship and protection, and if we on our part make ourselves worthy of the merits of Christ our Savior, we shall walk securely on the path of eternal salvation. In order to assure us in this hope and to console us, all the holy scriptures, as St. Paul assures us, were written. But at the same time, we must exert ourselves, lest our hopes be made through want of cooperation. Hence, St. Paul joins one with the other, for having admonished us to throw all our care upon the Lord, who is so solicitous for us, he adds immediately, Be sober and watch, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 278. These and other advices of the sacred scripture are given both in general and for each one in particular. And although from them and from continual experience, the children of the church might arrive at a more definitive and particular knowledge of the attacks and persecutions of the devils against all men, Yet, because in their earthliness and gross sensuality they are accustomed to attend only to what they perceive by the senses and never lift their thoughts to higher things, they live in a false security, ignoring the inhuman and hidden cruelty with which the devils solicit and draw them to perdition and therein succeed. Men are ignorant also of the divine protection by which they are surrounded and defended, and like ignorant persons they neither give thanks for this blessing nor pay any attention to their danger. Woe is to the earth, says St. John in the Apocalypse, 
12.12, because Satan has come down to you with great indignation of his wrath. This lamenting voice the evangelists heard in heaven, where if the saints could feel sorrow, they certainly would feel it. For us, on account of the hidden war, which our powerful and mortally enraged enemy wages against men. But although the saints cannot feel sorrow, they pity us for this danger. While we, sunk in a formidable lethargy and forgetfulness, have neither sorrow nor compassion for ourselves. In order to rouse from their torpor those that read this history, I understand that throughout the course of the revelations I have been enlightened concerning the hidden schemes of malice concocted by the demons against the mysteries of Christ, against the church and her children. These I have described in many passages, particularly dilating upon some of the secrets of this terrible war against men, which the devils wage in order to draw us to their side. On this present occasion of the conversion of St. Paul, the Lord has shown to me this truth more openly, enabling me to describe and make known the continual combat and strife which goes on, unperceived by our senses, between our angels and the demons, and to make known the manner in which we are defended by the divine power, either through our angels or through the most blessed Mary, or directly by Christ or the omnipotence of God. 2.79. Of the altercations and contentions of the holy angels in defending us against the hellish envy and malice of the demons, the holy scriptures contain the most clear testimony to which, for my purpose, it will suffice merely to refer. Well known is what the holy apostle Judas Thaddeus says to his canonical letter, that St. Michael contended with the devil against his designs of making known the resting place of the body of Moses, whom the holy archangel at the command of God had buried in a place concealed from the Jews. Lucifer wished to make it known in order to tempt the Jews to fall away from the lawful worship into idolatry by inducing them to offer sacrifices at his sepulcher. But St. Michael opposed the attempt of Satan to reveal it. The enmity of Lucifer and his demons against man is as old as their disobedience against God. And as said in the first part, their fury and cruelty after they had come to know the eternal word was to take flesh and to be born of the woman clothed with the sun. Apocalypse 12.1 Are proportionate to their rebellious pride against God. Because the proud angel rejected these decrees of God and would not bow his neck in obedience, he conceived this hatred against God and his creatures. As he cannot vent it upon the omnipotent, he executes it upon the works of his right hand. Besides this, possessing the nature of an angel, he resolves irrevocably and never ceases to strive after what he has once determined to attain. Hence, although changing the means to attain his end, he never changes his will in regard to persecuting mankind. On the contrary, his hatred has increased and will increase in the proportion of the favors lavished by God upon the just and upon the holy children of his church, and in proportion to the enemies gained by the seed of that woman, his enemy, in whom God has threatened to crush his head, while he should be able to do so more than to lie in ambush at their heels. Genesis 3.15 2.80 Moreover, this fiend is a pure spirit, and is not fatigued or ever in need of rest. Therefore he is so vigilant in persecuting us that he commences the combat from the very first instant of our existence, in our mother's womb, and he does not abate his fury and strife against the soul until it leaves the body. The saying of Job is verified that the life of man on earth is warfare. Job 7.1 
This battle does not consist merely in our being born in original sin and therefore subject to the fomus peccati and the disorderly passions inclining us to evil. But besides fomenting the continual battle within our own selves, the demon wages war against us on his own account, availing himself of all his own astuteness and malice, and as far as his power goes, of our own senses, faculties, inclinations, and passions. Above all, he seeks to make use of other natural causes to deprive us of salvation, together with our life. And if he does not succeed in this, he misses no chance of causing us damage or leading us into sin and robbing us of grace, even from the moment of our conception until that of our death. Hence, so long must last our defense. 2.81 All this, especially with the children of the church, happens in the following manner. As soon as the demons suspect that the conception of a human body is to take place, he first notes the intention of the parents, and whether they are in the state of grace or not, or whether they have committed any excess in the act of generation. He studies also the complexion of the humors of their bodies, for ordinarily these humors influence all those of the body generated. The demons also take note of the particular, as well as the general natural causes and conditions of nature, which unite in bringing about the generation and the organization of the human body. From these different, concurring elements of generation, the demons, with their vast experiences, judge as much as possible of the complexion of inclinations, of the one conceived, and they are wont to lay out great plans for future action. If they fear good results, they seek to hinder as much as possible the last generation or infusion of the soul, waylanding the mother with dangers or temptations, to bring about an abortion before the creation of the soul which is ordinarily delayed 40 or 80 days. But as soon as they see God create or infuse the soul, the wrath of these dragons exerts itself in furious activity to prevent the creature from issuing to light and from attaining baptism. If it is to be born where this sacrament can easily be administered, for this purpose they suggest and tempt the mothers to many disorders and excesses, whereby the parturition is forced and a premature birth or the death of the child in the womb might be caused. For among Catholics and heretics who still administer baptism, the demons content themselves with depriving children of baptism and thus withholding them in limbo from the vision of God. Among pagans and idolaters, they are not so solicitous, because among them damnation is in certain prospect. 2.82 Against their malign influence, the Mosai provides defense and protection in various ways. The most common is that of his vast and universal providence, which ensures the proper effects of natural causes in their time. Independently of the perversion of the hindrance of the demons, for this is the limit set to their power. Otherwise, if God would give free scope to their implacable malice, they would overturn the whole world. The goodness of the Creator will not allow this, nor does he wish to deliver over his works or the government of inferior matters, much less that of men to his sworn and mortal enemies. For the demons, in his scheme of the universe, hold the places merely of vile executioners, and even in this office they do no more than what is commanded or permitted them. If depraved men would not join hands with these enemies, entertaining their deceits and by their sins meriting punishment, all nature would preserve the common order of cause and effect, both in general and in particular. 
and there would be no occasion for such great misfortunes or losses among the faithful. In the diminution of crops and contagious diseases and sudden deaths and in other devastations invented by the devil, all these and many other evils happening even at the birth of children, through vices and disorders, we merit ourselves by uniting with the demon for our own chastisement and by delivering ourselves over to their malice. 283. Besides this general providence of God, for the protection of his creatures must be mentioned the particular protection of the angels, whom, according to David, the Most High has commanded to bear us up in their hands, lest we stumble into the slings of Satan. Psalm forty twelve, And in another place of Holy Scripture, it is said that he sends his angels to surround us with his defense and free us from evils. Psalm 33, 8. This defense like the persecution of the devil, commences from the womb in which we receive being, and continues until our souls are presented at the tribunal of God, to be adjudged to the state merited by each one, at the moment in which a human being is conceived. The Lord commands the angels to stand guard over it and its mother. Afterwards, at the right time, he assigns a particular angel as its guardian, as I have said in the first part of this history. Part 1, 114. From the very beginning, the angels enter into violent combat with the demons for the protection of the souls committed to their care. The demons contend that they have jurisdiction over the creature because it is conceived in sin, a child of malediction, unworthy of grace and divine favor, and a slave of hell. The angel refutes them by maintaining that it was conceived according to the laws of nature, over which hell has no power, that if it is conceived in sin, it was due to human nature, by default of the first parents, and not of its own free will and that even if conceived in sin, God has created it to know, praise, and serve him, and by virtue of his passion to merit eternal glory, and that these high ends are not to be frustrated by the mere will of the demons. This concludes our reading today for day number 310. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 15, paragraphs 277 to 283. Today's reading was really all about kind of the supernatural battles that go on. And this line from Job, the saying of Job is verified that the life of man on earth is a warfare. And that's something that we need to realize that there is this battle going on between visible and invisible powers that the good forces are battling against evil in the world that, yes, the devil is real, that demons are real. And this really brings it out, the spiritual warfare. And so Job says, the life of man on earth is a warfare. It's a warfare for the invisible realities around us, our angels who are fighting for us. But it's warfare for us as well, that we engage in what is called spiritual warfare. That through our devotion, that through our spiritual life, that through our prayer, that we are able also to battle against evil. Pray before the Blessed Sacrament. Pray the Rosary. Pray the St. Michael prayer. And you're going to have some armor of battle so that you will be protected. The devil will come, the demons will come, they will want to torment us and tempt us. But if we remain faithful to the Lord, well, then we will overcome those temptations. 
Just one other thing to mention that today in our reading, we heard kind of this notion of delayed ensoulment. I just want to remind us that back in volume one, there is this caveat about the ensoulment after conception and that we don't ascribe to this delayed ensoulment. Maria Vagrida is writing in a different time, and so she's representing the time in which she's writing. The same is true about unbaptized babies. She says that they are withheld from the vision of God, and we don't know that to be true. And so the church, uh, in the last two decades, kind of re-examining its position on the idea of limbo and saying, these are things of eschatology that we cannot know. So just know that sometimes, very not often, but every once in a while, we'll have something that's antiquated, as Maria of Agreda is relating this history to us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then... May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.